sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God, blessed forever. Amen. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thank you. 
and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who were those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the God who blesses, breaks, and shares. Amen. One of my all-time favorite movies is The Princess Bride, a movie with many fantastic characters, including Miracle Max, played by Billy Crystal. Now, the main character of the movie, Wesley, dies before he can save his true love, Buttercup, from marrying the awful King Humberdine. So Wesley's friends bring him to Miracle Max with the hope that Max can bring Wesley back to life in time to stop the royal wedding. Max makes a chocolate-covered miracle pill, the chocolate makes it go down easier, and sends the friends off with instructions on how and when to feed the pill to Wesley. As the friends leave, Max and his wife call out, Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. And then Miracle Max's wife asks him, You think it'll work? And Max replies, It'll take a miracle. So what is a miracle? Is it a chocolate-covered pill? Or is it the hope that the chocolate-covered pill will work? Is it something humans can conjure up on our own? Is it the meaning we make from things that we do not understand? Is the miracle a sign of God's presence with us? Is it when things go unexpectedly, inexplicably well? Is it when God does something that defies reason and physics? Is it the way God's love infiltrates our lives and changes us? The miracle of the loaves and fish that we just heard is the only event in the Gospel that A is referred to as a miracle and B is recorded six different times in the four Gospels. Jesus fed a lot of people with very few resources. He may have even done so more than once. This is no small thing. I have over the years found myself really wrestling with what happened with the loaves and fish. Did Jesus show the crowds that he had faith that all would be fed and started the process by sharing the only resources he had on hand, thus inspiring everyone to dig into their pockets and add whatever they had to the communal pot? Or did he really, actually, and bless and break up a small amount of food and end up with thousands of pieces of bread and fish. I wrestled with this because in the first scenario, the one where people were moved to share, where the miracle was the changing of hearts and the inspiring of generosity, if I find direction in that, I find direction in how I'm called to live as a in a broken and hungry world. In the second scenario, the one where a miracle actually happened, an inexplicable one, in that scenario, I find God, a God of miracles, a God beyond my understanding, a God who is so much more than human. I'm realizing that I need both of When God is only an inexplicable God of miracles, I miss out on the God who came in human form to hold and bless and break and eat bread with us and to feed and heal us through touch and friendship. And when God is only a first-class human moral guide, 
who shows us how to share and care for one another and feed one another, we miss out on the fact that Jesus was and is divine. We need a divine God, a divine Jesus, and thankfully we have one. If Jesus meant only to be a good human role model, he wouldn't have messed around with miracles and other displays of his divinity. And I do believe he did do miraculous, bountiful, healing, unexplainable divine things. Sometimes in the simple and mysterious act of feeding people. Caroline Lewis of Luther Seminary addresses our desire to explain miracles as things that are within our human control and understanding. She says, taking away the reality of miracles does no one any good. They exist. We need them. And Jesus gets that. But I do think that the meaning of the miracle is more than the miracle itself. I think so too. A miracle is a miracle. And it's more. In this story today, Jesus, who had been trying to get him a long time, saw that crowds of people had followed him, and he had compassion for them. He came to them, healed them. And when evening came and his disciples suggested that he send the people away to villages to find food, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish that were available and expanded them to provide abundantly for everyone. Clearly a miracle. But how much more happened on that day? Here are a few other significant things that may have happened alongside Jesus' miracle. For one, Jesus was taking a great risk. He was alone in the wilderness after hearing about the death of his beloved cousin, John the Baptist, who had been beheaded by King Herod. And Herod was growing increasingly suspicious of Jesus as well. Jesus was likely feeling grief, fear, maybe confusion, and a bit of personal brokenness. But moved by compassion, he came out of his solitude and served the people. And in that, he took great risks for them. Secondly, once Jesus blessed the bread and the fish and broke it up, the disciples were able to feed people that they didn't think they could feed. People they had previously wanted to send away. These disciples were empowered to minister in ways that they thought were impossible. People were fed. Hungry people, young people, old people, Sick people, tired people, dying people, all were fed. Another thing that happened was that God, as Christ, blessed and broke bread, something he did on two notable occasions. And he chose each time he broke bread to share that blessed bread so it could be taken into the bodies of those who sought him out those who loved him, those who followed him, those who were curious about him. And he continues to do that with us and in us to this day, every time we bless and break bread together as a worshiping community. It strikes me that something happens when Jesus breaks bread. Something that turns the bread from a quantifiable commodity, one loaf or five loaves, into a limitless, blessed gift. Pieces of something broken become numerous enough to go around. Last Friday, my husband's grandma Mary died peacefully and gracefully at the age of 96. She was a lover of music, a piano teacher, a woman of very deep faith, and of course, so much more. As I sat at her funeral on Wednesday, listening to her children and grandchildren and some of their spouses play Mary's favorite music on trumpet, organ, flute, horn, and violin. And as I listened to her favorite scripture read by her oldest son and bits from her journal read by her youngest, I could see the pieces of her life blessed, broken, and shared and very much alive in our world through her descendants. 
And I wonder if this is a miracle too. This expansion of our own love that happens when we break ourselves open enough to enter relationships and love and serve and nurture one another. Not despite our human brokenness, but because of it. Broken, blessed, and shared. So did Jesus really feed thousands of people by breaking up a few bits of food? I think he did. Was it a miracle? I believe it was. I don't know why some miracles happen and some hoped for ones don't seem to. But I do think Jesus performed miracles because he could and wanted to and delighted in being able to for us. I do think that miracles run the gamut of our experience as children of God, that miracles exist in all the ways that God gets into our lives, in our relationships, our choices about who we are in the world, most certainly in our brokenness, in our births and deaths and legacies, in our attempts to love one another. Perhaps a miracle is the mystery of divine power as it is played out in human life. It is a display of humanity and divinity all wrapped up in one. Us and God, in a great love affair, producing bits of the kingdom of God from the pieces of our sacred lives that have been blessed, broken, and shared. And the possibility that miracles did happen in Jesus' life and do happen now makes all the difference in the world to me. It means that I can risk brokenness and trust that abundance will come from the broken places in my life, in our lives. That love beyond my control will expand because I have put myself in God's hands to be broken, blessed, and shared. That a willingness to trust God that deeply is who I want to be in the world. That depth of faith seemed to work for Greg's grandma Mary and for countless other saints whose lives have touched ours. So do we really think it will work for us too? In the words of Miracle Max, it will take a miracle. Thankfully, we don't think that we are short.
in peace we pray to you, Lord God, for all people in their daily life and work. For Barack, our President, and Deval, our Governor, for this community, the nation, just and proper use of your creation. For those who suffer from war, famine, and natural disaster around the world and in our own nation. For the victims of economic dislocation and unemployment. And for all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Scottish Episcopal Church and the Diocese of St. Andrews, Dunkeld, and Dunlane. And we pray for the work of reconciliation in the Anglican Communion and for Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of St. Mary's in the Harvard Province Town, Christ Church, Quincy, Parish of St. Christmas. Episcopal Quincy China Center, and the Cape Cod and Islands Deanery. In our parish, we pray for the safety of the workers who took down our old parish house this week and continue to work to prepare for the construction of our new parish house. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. Hear us, Lord, for your We give thanks for the ministry of Robert Garvey, who has served us as music director for 20 years today. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died, especially Helen Carnes, mother of Anne Lynch, and Mary Tryon, grandmother of Red Gettle. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus. 
good Lord, who fed friends and strangers on the hillside, accept our gifts of food for the hungry in our towns. Grant that we may never be at ease at our tables until all your people are fed. Let not the needy be forgotten, O Lord, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. For you are the source of life and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, we praise you. Joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 